You were listening to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. And I had to scold him just a moment ago before we got started recording. I feel like he does tasks while we're trying to focus on this podcast. I know you're a little ADD, but get your shit together, bro. Oh, I'm here. I'm present. With and I'm four, excited. Oh, and I should also mention he has like four drinks. Yeah, well. What are you doing with all those? Well, the beer from way earlier is gone. That's the empty glass, and I know I should have re- recovered it by now. Yes, you should have. And then I got the water. I uh, forgot I had the Gatorade. So now I have two. Oh, and you've been drinking my coffee. And I took a drink of your coffee, and you have told me I can't drink during the podcast, so those are just floundering <laughs> there. So, And I'm supposed to, I make too much fucking noise. She told me to be quiet, and she stopped just shy of saying, shut the fuck up. So I'm going to see how this one goes. Well, I didn't smack you in the nuts, so there's that. Not today. Well, actually, I did today. That was, yeah. You know what's worse than a, just a dead shot to the nuts is a graze. Just a, I, just a little smack? Yeah, where you have to think about it for about 40 seconds until it like fully seeps into, because it rolls up into your like body and your st- lower stomach. Men know. I, I'm sure it doesn't feel good for women if they were to get hit in that area either, but the graze is bad. Because it, it comes slowly, but it comes very deeply. All I'm going to say is don't make assumptions about me. Yeah, just don't thump my nuts again, baby. I hurt. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I'm, exci- I'm excited about this uh, story because I think it's a a really interesting one. It's, yeah, you just let me... I just, see, I basically learn, I think uh, some listeners may know, a lot of times I learn along with them. You do, yeah. And that's why I have a lot so of times much. I kind of keep the story a secret. Yeah, I know. You might know a little bit about it, but I kind of surprise you with all the details. I know 5%, honestly, sometimes. And yeah. then I get the other 95 with the listeners. And that's why, I, you know, it leaves me room to say some really intelligent remarks, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always like to see your reaction. Yeah. And we've been kind of in the Tennessee area a little bit. We with have. Some of these cases. Of course, we are mountain murders. We focus on Appalachian true crime. And I've got to tell you, Tennessee can be a crazy place. It can go down in Tennessee. I live there. Yeah, you right. lived. I've lived right around here. In, like Pigeon Forge when you were a kid, right? Pigeon Forge, Bobby, Tennessee, um, Newport, Tennessee, Cock County. Yeah, they grew a lot of marijuana there. I found a marijuana patch when I was a very small kid out in the woods. Did you know what it was? Yeah. Well, see, I brought a big branch of it. I broke it off like I'm dragging this thing. Oh. And I, I brought it all the way back home up to the screen door of the trailer, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Great. I loved it. I grew up in the mountains. And I uh, said, Mommy, ain't this that stuff you like? <laughs> and she was like, Oh, Lord, God, let's get that off the porch. And I think she probably dry, I found it drying in the closet. She was like, Oh, just don't. But she scolded me and said, Never go back there because it was dangerous around pot patches in Cock County. Because of booby traps. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But yeah. I think my mama got about an ounce off that well, limb. Mama Packer, she she likes her weed. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No. You she can do a lot worse, right? Super hippie chick. Mama yes. Packer. I brought her an ounce. I got my, I was my mom's dope dealer and I was like eight years old. I brought her an ounce. You might want to not say that. Well, not dope dealer. You could get charges. Brought like later, like there's probably no statute of limitations on your admission that you just you think sold so? your mom drugs. So okay, you let, let's, well you didn't sell, sell her drugs. So no, I gave it to her as a gift. You gifted your mom some drugs. I gifted my mom some medicine. <laughs> let's be honest. And so okay, right quick, you say and meth heads can have six felonies, 
a rap sheet 20 years long and still a habitual felon and go to court and get out with maybe probation and get right back out on the street after I did all this crazy shit. But when I was eight, I didn't know what it was. And I brought it to my mama. And I think my mama and I dried it out and smoked it, which I'm fairly certain she did. You're saying that, that they're still after me for that. But the meth head in the local community is going to be right back out next 24 hours Yeah, I think you're going to be charged with that 33-year-old crime. Those cocksuckers. And I think that you might go to jail. You might not say that. You, you might have cops listening in right now who... Now you're on a list. Well, I was. Well, see, so I, now you're just digging yourself into a hole. Let's get started with. Yeah, the let's case get started. Going. But I did not mean cops when I said cop suckers. I love cops. I do not want to live in the taxation is theft, and I don't want any cops around me community because I think it'd be very dangerous and there wouldn't be any infrastructure. <laughs> so I love cops. <laughs> I call them when I need them. Well, this is a really unusual story, and that's one reason why I plucked it. For our listeners, because it's so strange. The low-hanging fruit, guys. She's amazing. Yeah, it's a I really, just a really bizarre story. Yeah, let's let's dig in. We've this never one. covered a story like this before. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if many of you have even heard a story like this before. Oh my God, I'm getting really excited now. I don't think I know nothing about. I know 100% nothing about this one. Well, we're gonna get in our time machine. Okay. Our Mountain Murders Wayback Machine to July 1996. It's a good year. It's a good year. The 90s, mid-90s, things things felt good. This is how we do it. Yeah, the, the, exactly. Montel Jordan. <laughs> this is how we did it, and it was a good time. Blair Adams was traveling through the United States, but he was not on vacation. He was on the run. So Blair had gotten some shit, and he got about. Boy, we're going to find out. Okay. <laughs> 31-year-old Blair Adams was living in Canada. Now, in the past, he had struggled with drugs and alcohol, but he was mostly known as a hardworking, single, unmarried guy who worked for a construction company. He was a foreman there, and friends said he was kind, loving, fun to be around, but he also had a dark side that would sometimes make an appearance. And he liked to party, like a lot of people in the construction industry. He had been, you know, a bit of a partier, Get into barroom fights. He had assault charges or maybe a charge, but definitely at least one in his past. He would go out drinking. Somebody looks at him the wrong way. Maybe somebody says something. You know, he's going to get into a brawl. Well, I'm telling you, a scuffle. for 17 years I did manual labor, put up fences, you know, digging holes, carrying stuff, all that mess. But And uh, so a construction, lot construction guys, they work hard all day, manual labor, and they party harder. So work hard, play hard. Yes. Well, what is it they say? Uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy? Yeah, and uh, too much play makes you show up at work the next day when it's hot as fuck and you're hungover really bad. And you got to work really hard, like physically. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a rough hangover. Blair started having some bouts of depression, insomnia, and was generally just seeming really unhappy. His mood swings were prominent. His mother asked him on several occasions, you know, if he was doing okay, but he would just say these really bizarre things to his mom, like, I really shouldn't be talking about it, or I don't think that I should tell you, or I don't think it's something you want to hear. Oh, yeah, these are all not good things he's saying. Just cryptic kinds of messages, you know, responses to these questions of, hey, you doing okay? Nothing is actually clinically diagnosed here. But a lot of people said his pattern of behavior was changing, escalating, just getting stranger. 
he seemed really, like, paranoid. Oh, no. Out of the blue, he just up and announced he was going to quit his job. The stress, anxiety, depression, the mood change, you know, swings, mood changes, they were culminating and the paranoia was growing. He's having a full-blown mental episode, sounds like. Yeah, and like I said, there's no clinical diagnosis, but... You know, everybody around said something, something changed, happened, something got wasn't worse, right. Stranger, can't do daily normal things. Yeah, doesn't sound good. And this is in 96, and there was still a lot of stigma around mental health. There was. In the 90s? Yep. I mean, I would say up until recently, there's been a lot of stigma, and even probably even some now, but I think people are much more able to discuss their mental health and how they're feeling. If they're having problems, reaching out for help. Do Yeah. And they, you know what? Even We're more educated today that like, hey, this yeah. is not so uncommon. We are. But you know, the system still has, our mental health, mental health system still hasn't recovered from being gutted well, back in the Well, he's Canadian, 80s. so it's a different Oh, okay. World. okay. Have you been paying attention at all? Yes, I have Canada written down right here. <laughs> hey. All of this paranoia, stress, strange behavior... You know, it was just kind of uh, coming to a head. And at one point, he attempted to leave Canada. To go where? The States? He was just trying to leave. Like, he set out on foot. He tried to take a plane. (laughs) Tried to take a ferry and get out of the country. Uh, Just really odd. He just needs to leave Canada. He withdrew all of his savings. He had a total of about $6,000 cash and some gold gold coins. Uh, Let me get that out. He had gold coins. He had jewelry and some bonds, I guess, and a safety deposit box. Damn, this crazy ass dude had all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe he had inherited some I of it. I got that I'm much liquid. Sure. Well, he loaded up everything, trying to get out of Canada. He was sort of suspicious looking. Like I said, he he tried to cross via a border, like ferry, border ferry kind of thing. Right, takes you over. And he was a single man carrying this large chunk of cash. So authorities thought immediately that he was like a drug courier. Right. He's got gold coins. Sounds like, did you say gemstone? I mean, he's got it all, yeah, right? Yeah, he's Cash. got jewelry. He's got a couple of savings bonds. I mean, just. He's got everything he has. Just a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And sounds like he's run on the run. So they, they're thinking he's a drug courier. Stop him. Won't let him enter into the country. So his plan to come into the States via ferry gets thwarted. He tried again to cross the border by foot. Got caught. Same thing, is detained. He's trying every way in the world to leave Canada, come to the United States. He spent $1,600 on a flight to get to Germany, but he was feeling really panicked that it wasn't quick enough. At some point, he went to a friend's house and asked for help to get to the United States. But she was a mom with kids, and, you know, she said she couldn't help. She was like, I can't leave my kids right now to drive you across the border or drop you off at the border. You know, I can't do that. I've got kids and whatever. But he told her that someone was trying to kill him and he had to get out of the country. So I was going to say he's having a full-blown paranoid episode and he's desperately trying to leave and literally go on the run from these perceived forces that are out to get him. Well, maybe, but there could also be someone out to get him. I mean, maybe he owed someone money. Maybe... Something he had seen, some fucked up. Who knows? And yeah, I mean, true. if someone, if you know that someone's after you, that they're going to kill you, and you're leaving, you would be stressed. Yeah, you would, would be depressed. 
It would be messed You'd up. You'd be feeling anxious, paranoid. You got to get out of here. So, you know. And every time he tries, he can't make it out. Tuesday, July the 9th, he checked into his flight to go to Germany. He ended up not getting on the plane, deciding to get his ticket refunded. He rented a Nissan car, drove to Seattle, bought another ticket for Washington, D.C. for a a one-way ticket. Wow. He's doing like some spa shit. Well, and the weird thing is, it costs more money to buy the one-way than for the round trip. So later investigators are going to be like, well, why did he do that? It didn't make sense. And he was already at the airport on a plane, had purchased a ticket, then rented a car and drove to another airport. And bought a ticket for a completely different That was more costly. Yeah. The way he did it. Yeah, this is not normal moves that people make. July 10th, he landed in Washington, D.C. He rented a white Toyota Camry. Gets in the Camry, takes off on the open road. Ends up in Knoxville, Tennessee, where Mm. he stopped to gas up. And he locks himself out of the car at a gas station. Oh, God. Well, an employee helped him. And the employee realized that he only had a Nissan key for the Toyota car and couldn't get it open. This was around 5 a.m. Okay, so the rental, he's locked out of the rental car at a gas station. And dude's trying to help him get in the car. And well, I'm sorry, you say he had a Nissan key for the... Yes, because if you remember, when he was driving to Seattle, he had rented a Nissan car. It was like, I think, a Nissan Altima. Drove to Seattle, got that Washington, D.C. ticket. Clearly had not turned in the rental car key ah, in I Seattle. Do. He must have had it on his person, but could not find his Toyota key. Okay. Wow. He's doing, wow. It's hard to keep up with the shit he's doing. This was around 5 a.m. And of course, this employee is getting a little frustrated because they're looking around, can't find this Toyota key. You know, I I can't help you get the door open. They retrace the steps in the store, in the parking lot. Right. So finally, this employee is like, we're going to have to call probably a tow truck company. And get someone out here. You're going to have to contact the rental car company. Right. We're going to figure something out. He's just trying to be helpful, but it's already he's done. The tow truck driver shows up and says that Blair Adams seemed really confused. They thought he was like having some kind of mental episode. And he just kept talking about this Nissan key. I don't have this Toyota key. I think the tow truck driver at one point was like, you know, turn your pockets out. Yeah. Are you looking? And the guy was just refusing. Like he's incoherent, almost. It's just really strange behavior. He had to wait until that rental car company opened. He had the car towed and had the tow truck driver take him to a motel. He ends up booking a room at a hotel. It was the Fairfield Inn. Okay. He entered in and exited the hotel a total of five times before deciding to book a room. The tow truck driver drops him off. You got to consider this was at 5 a.m. that he couldn't find his key. So it's probably going to take the tow truck driver a little bit to so get there. It was like 8 or 9 So probably. this is like early in the morning. Yeah. He's just walking in and out. I guess they have surveillance video Looking of him walking in and out of the hotel. The front desk clerk watching him, probably wondering what is he doing. He appeared, the desk clerk would later say that Blair Adams appeared Annoyed, agitated, and paranoid, like he was looking around or waiting on someone. 
So he's literally looking over his shoulder, basically. Yeah, and the entering and exiting of the building. It was like he kept checking to see if somebody was outside. Almost like he was going to meet someone. Yeah, and consider that he's changed his plans with the one airport. Got a rental. Went down here. Got another ticket more expensive. Now he's in another rental. I mean, he's done a lot. And to still think that people are on his heels, you know, that speaks volume to that he has lost it. He is, it sounds like he's lost it completely. He finally did get that room, but then he immediately left the hotel. He never even went to his room, as far as they know. It didn't look like he had checked in. He hadn't carried any luggage in the room. The, the room was completely untouched. People always go, after that day he's had with the cars and being locked out and the driving out everywhere, you would go wash up and take a nap. He didn't even go inside it. The front desk clerk said he seemed very strange and again like he was waiting on someone. Again, this is like the third person in this day that has encountered Blair Adams and described his behavior as strange, confused, right. paranoid, just He's really odd. Acting that way constantly. July 11th, 1996, construction workers find a body in a parking lot at an unfinished motel construction site on Crosswood Boulevard near I-40 in Knoxville. Police are able to identify the body as Blair Adams. Really? He was found about a half a mile from the original Fairfield Inn where he was checked, or, you know, had a room, was checked in. Huh. But didn't go in his fucking room. It's crazy. His pants were taken down like someone had taken them off. Not like how you would take your pants off. Right. But like how someone might pull your pants off of you. Yes. His socks were inside out, his shirt was ripped open, and his shoes were off. That's weird. At this construction site. He appeared to have suffered a beating. He had numerous scratches on his body, and there was a fatal blow to the abdomen, which ruptured the stomach, and he had a defensive wound on his hand. Brutally attacked. He was also struck in the head. He had been beaten with some kind of metal bar, and they determined possibly been hit by a car because he had some road rash on his hands as if he had fallen on the pavement pretty hard or maybe had been dragged. Dra yeah. Oh, my God. I mean... He could have been hit, beat with a piece of rebar at a construction site, right? Right. He's just been brutally beat and attacked in multiple ways, it sounds like. And detectives speculated that maybe a car is what had hit him in the stomach and caused that serious trauma to his abdomen because it, it whatever it was had hit him so hard it had caused the stomach to rupture. Oh, God. One of his shoes was underneath his head like a pillow. Yeah. Like someone, someone had taken the shoe off and placed it under his head after the fact. That's crazy. Yeah, it's something that someone else would do, right? I mean, but he's doing crazy shit. He could have done that, right? He could have. But he's been beat. It's so brutal. It's horrible. Well, at the time of his death, he had no drugs or alcohol in his system. Police thought there had been some kind of sexual assault, but no DNA evidence was left behind, which could indicate that maybe it was with an object. Uh, yeah. Didn't think of that. Again, his pants were pulled off and inside out. Socks off. They're inside out. I mean, he was essentially naked from the waist down and his shirt was open. With a with his shoe under his head like a pillow. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's and pretty the crazy. Interesting thing in all of this is that scattered around the body was four thousand dollars of American, Canadian, and German money. He had a fanny pack that he had been seen wearing in the surveillance videos, and that was found as well. And it had two thousand in cash, jewels, gold. Wow! So all his stuff. All of his stuff. All his valuables. Get this: the key from the Toyota was found by the body as well. Like it was on his person, you think? Perhaps, or someone threw it on the ground. It's totally weird. Cops thought it could have maybe been a robbery. But all this money's initially around. that maybe the assailants didn't know he had the extra money on his person. Fanny packs rock too. It's ninety six. They're they're big time. But the weird thing is here, Blair knew no one in the area, so it wasn't like. Anyone knew he was there, right. he called someone up and said, hey, I'm in town. It's a happenstance that he is there. And no one seemed to know why he left Canada. He hadn't told his mother. Everyone knew he was behaving oddly. And he did tell the one friend someone was trying to kill him. Right. And he's been paranoid. Everybody meets him confused, paranoid, looking around. I mean, like, unease. So, yeah, but it's just a happen. Like... Yeah, all his valuables are strong well, around him. It's just crazy. It doesn't make sense. He rented this car in Washington, D.C., took to the road, and didn't necessarily have a destination in mind. Right. Like, as you mentioned, it was just sort of random that he ended up in Knoxville, pulled over to gas up. Happened to get locked out of his car. Off of I-40. He should be in his car going wherever the hell he's going, continuing. Again, you know, no one seemed to know why he had left Canada. The only explanation had been that someone wanted to kill him. So was he just suffering some kind of delusional paranoia, but then turns up murdered? Beat all to hell and brutally murdered? It's really a mystery. Legend? That's crazy. Was it a chance encounter with a bad person? Or was it the person who had been after him this entire time finally caught up with him? How crazy is that? Some witnesses claim that Blair was seen at a restaurant with a man on July the 10th, which would have been the day before the body was found. Okay. Other witnesses claim they heard a woman screaming around 3 a.m. There was a security guard who was working somewhere near this hotel construction site. Yeah. That reported thinking, you know, there had been a woman screaming around 3 a.m. I think it was him screaming and such a blood curdling because he was brutally beat and attacked, you know, multiple ways. It sounds horrible. And that very well could have been him shrieking. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a blood could want to quit almost sounding human and gets guttural and is just like primal. Yeah, that type of horrible scream I hope I never hear. Well, it also could have been that if someone was attacking Blair, there might have been a woman there who witnessed it and started screaming. Yeah, yeah, because you are brutally beating this person, individual, to death. Or even well, if someone... you're being beaten to death, you might be able to scream, but you... Might not, because That's you're true. sort of, like, shocked. You're being, you know, someone's hitting you. Yeah, I'd say shock would come in quickly to in try a, to shield you. In a 2010 interview with local law enforcement, they actually revealed that the Knoxville Police Department had never really received any kind of credible tip in Adam's death. They did have a composite sketch of a man that was released in the case, and this is a sketch of the man that the two women claimed to have witnessed Adam speaking with outside of that Cracker Barrel restaurant in Knoxville. But that man has never been identified. Wow. 
I know, right? Fucking Cracker Barrels. Yeah. Bad shit happens around the Cracker Barrels, don't it? Yeah. Dude, salute him out and murder. He's down there eating with his kids. Don't want to come down there. Yeah, this one's a crack fucking Cracker Barrels, dude. Do not go in there for that delicious Southern style food. It's true. In the Skyler Nice case, um, what was it? Sheila Eddy was arrested in a Cracker Barrel parking lot. Yes. And then now here we have Blair Adams dead, probably at a Cracker Barrel. At a fucking Cracker Barrel. It's dangerous. Now their BLTs are really good, though. It's, my it's like shooting there. crackers in a barrel. See, that's what it means. <laughs> Two, their BLTs off the chain. There's some DNA evidence from a hair that was found on the body, but there was no match. You got to think in 2019, with all of these new cases opening up, like the Golden State Killer. Yeah. There could be some sort of familiar, familial DNA match or something, maybe. Yeah, possibly. I guess it could happen. You just know. Yeah. I mean, it could happen. It uh, was a longer strand of hair, but they've never released whether it belonged to a man or a woman. Some theorize that it could have been a prostitute. See, I didn't even know that they. Any of those services handed your shit over, connected to like public, federal law enforcement shit. I don't think so, that they necessarily do, but well, I, no, there I think that could one be some case where maybe something was. I think that one it actually in the terms and you know the terms and agreement or something terms or? and agreement that people never read because it's like sixty thousand words long, right? You just click accept and go and move on. It, I think it actually says in there on that particular site that. um they do that. Well, they may. I don't know. Yeah, and you give consent without actually knowing it. But I'm that's not, crazy, I'm though. I'm not uh, up on that yet. No, it's like Big Brother. That's why I refuse to do one of those DNA tests. That's why tests. I'm not done with it. Because yet. I know that it's just going to be funneled into some secret database They're that the government is watching me. And I'm not like a super paranoid conspiracy theory kind of person. But that is my conspiracy theory, that gonna, they're just collecting DNA on all of us. Yes, profiles. So they can fuck us up or something. And they can track us and all that. So when the resistance starts... They will have our fucking DNA because I just wanted to be told that I was 0.0076% Scottish and well, that I came from the, yeah. Or all, perhaps they want to harvest your organs. Yeah, and they want to see check them out with the blood work. So they're like the testing everybody to find out like what their DNA is so they can harvest our organs and it's going to end up being like the Matrix or something. Yeah, well, baby, you know I'd be <laughs> a good battery in the Matrix, right? I'm warm, right? I'm hot. I put off a lot of heat. Well, again, if this long hair... On this body was a prostitute. You'd think maybe she'd have a record. Maybe. Being a hooker. You never know, unless she's a really good, crafty one that can run in high heels. Well, and one reason why it's been uh, theorized that it could have been a prostitute was, you know, because his pants were down. Like maybe he had picked up this hooker and they were in the empty hotel parking lot. Because again, it was. Not that far away from his hotel. And she brutally beat him to death? Or maybe... And left all the money? They were in some kind of situation and someone else approached him and killed him. And, you know, maybe they robbed him and got some cash off of him, but didn't know that he had all the other money in the fanny pack and in his pockets or something. I mean, who knows? Yeah, it sounded like there was a wad of money missing because he was down to about 4,000 cash. And he hadn't really done anything, you know what I mean? He might have blew through a thousand or seven hundred. But yeah, he was down in a lot of money, it sounded like. And, you know, when the shit goes down, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I took all the money and made sure all, you know, shit's going down. It's crazy. 
things happen. Well, they may not have known what was in the fanny They pack. happen fast. They might not have known. They might have been scared, you know, get the hell out of there. Might have a handful of cash. Think that's all of it. This whole story, I mean, it's unsolved and it just leaves questions. Of course, the big one being what happened to Blair Adams. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's crazy. I think the prostitute theory is, seem, I don't know, it seems like it would be, or maybe they um, um, rolled him, right? Got him with his pants off and stuff, and we're going to kick his ass and uh, take his money. You know, the pimp or the friend or whatever, you know, that whole gag. And But it's brutally, it's so brutal. Well, that's, that's how they know it's not a suicide. I mean, even if he had been feeling depressed, anxious, right, having those not, types of feelings, a suicide, I mean, he couldn't have beat himself that you're way. You're not going to beat yourself, brutally beat yourself to death. No. It's impossible, I think, right? What do you think? Yeah. If you hit yourself that hard, you would stop hitting yourself? I don't know. Yeah. Then, of course, there's the theory it could have been an accidental hit and run. Okay. And he... But that doesn't explain the possible sexual assault. The clothes. The clothes. The, staging. the pants down. Yeah. Right. Obviously, there's the theory it's a homicide, which sounds plausible. I guess none of these theories are natural causes, right? Well, and, you know, none of, like, a big chunk of the money was really taken. Maybe it was just a little bit of money. Again, was it a robbery gone wrong? Was this a case of a prostitute rolling a guy? And it going too far? Was someone really following him? Did someone catch up to him? What crazy options? He could have been right that whole time. Everybody thought he was, you know, crazy and paranoid. What if it was some weird bullshit like he hired someone to kill him? Like, uh, yeah. Because there was a okay. case in Colorado, and I listened to a podcast. I think it was Sword and Scale that did an episode of this young girl who had hired a guy on Craigslist to kill her. Okay, is that like a kink room thing? And she got, no, she was murdered. And then they traced it back to this whole thing. Everybody thought she was murdered, but she, it was like her way of committing suicide was to hire this guy to kill her. Wow. I'm thinking, okay, well, that could have been a motive like maybe yeah. he wanted to kill himself or was having some sort of paranoid something maybe he paid someone hey come well, find me i don't know maybe again you, maybe you don't bargain shop on people you want you know to assassins to kill you because i gotta think there's a cleaner way to be killed than brutally beat to death but you know i don't know and then of course there's the shoe that was placed under his head it's very strange so was he being beaten and he was slowly dying and did he grab his own shoe and like put it under his head like in his dying moments or did someone position that shoe like a pillow because that's just such a weird detail well, and typically with murders where someone positions someone you know a, a pillow under their head or it's, position them they like, to look like they're resting want them to be like comfortable or, if you listen to our Charlie Lawson case, the Lawson family murders. Yes. Charlie did the same thing. But it's like a, a care, a concern. It's this a, like attention to detail that I think a random murderer probably wouldn't. Right. Or cover take the body the time up. to do that. They can't look at it or make them comfortable, like you said, put them in a natural pose or put something on their head. That's very common. And that almost makes me think that if it was a murder and someone did that, that it could have been an accidental. Because you feel really There's guilty remor about yeah, what you Yeah, that does show done. remorse, maybe. 
Well, are we solving this thing? I don't know. I think we're sol- I think we just solved it. <laughs> Can everybody like? But we're then it just makes now. you wonder as well, like what the sexual assault was, the clothes or was that it were sexual off. assault, or do you jerk that off just to fuck with the cops and throw them and have them thinking about sexual assault when it never was? What if it was a professional staging the scene to make it all weird and crazy? Like a contract killer? Like, yeah, like the people that was after him finally got his ass. Like the mafia had like an assassin yeah. go after this guy? And make a fucking, make an example out of him. I want you to beat him to fucking death with the steel bar my grandmother gave me. Possibly, you know, in an, uh, some of these crimes where someone's murdered and they're left in an embarrassing state like this. Right. Like pants off, naked, exposed. It's. Awkward. It's like someone wants to make an example of them, show that this person's done something that they're being punished for. Yeah, so the article in the paper and on the news talking about how they was found all fucked up and jacked up with no pants on. And they think, you know, yeah, and they just run. But yeah. I mean, possibly it could have been something like that. That could be a good example. I mean, who knows? It's a really strange case, as I mentioned before we got started with it. Blair Adams. Poor... Blair, I'm not sure what was going on with Blair. Canadian killed in Knoxville, unsolved. But I feel bad for him, you know, and it sounded like he was a lot, whatever was happening, we don't know. It sounded bad, and he was not happy or comfortable for days, maybe weeks, maybe months before he was brutally beaten to death for some reason. This has been another episode of Mountain Murders. Don't forget you can find us on Patreon. And for a couple of bucks a month, you can get all kinds of bonus material, extra content, episodes, videos, photos. Yeah, I was looking uh, right quick about Patreon. We've actually got a, got some content on there now, right? We've got a few pieces. There's quite a, quite a few stories and uh, kind of afterthoughts, some are companion pieces. But there's getting to be quite a bit of content there. Right, so if you just, or just can't our get enough of Mountain Murders, yeah. you can join up with Patreon. Of course, your money helps support the podcast Yes, for as little as three bucks a month. You You're helping it. us out, keep the podcast alive, and uh, also getting that bonus content so you have some extra listening material. Hours of content, some great pictures, and companion articles and things you put on there. Um, yeah, I think there's some good stuff on there. You can find us on Twitter under Mountain Murders. Facebook under Mountain Murders and on Instagram at Mountain Murders Podcast. And of course, you can always hit subscribe and give us a five star review. Can I say bye? You never let me say bye. Oh, okay. Bye, guys. I love you. And um, I, why did I say I love you? I really like you. I really, really, really like our listeners. Okay. She'll probably edit this out and I will not be here, but bye, guys. Now, this makes me think of a story. Okay, so one time yeah. I worked at this newspaper, and this guy had called me to complain that he didn't get a copy of his paper, which was, like, always the least favorite part of my job when I had to answer the phone. Wow. Who took be, the time to do that? Oh, people would do it all the time. Douches. That was, like, yeah. I would say the bulk of the phone calls that came into the office were people bitching that they didn't get their paper. Busy bodies. And my favorite was always, like, the elderly people who would call and bitch that they didn't get their paper because they didn't know who died. They've been waiting on that paper. Yeah. It's Monday and they don't get the paper. Is that how you know you're old when you're drinking coffee and reading the obituaries and that's like the highlight of your day? So you can talk shit about I mean, I'm not even kidding when I say I would have elderly ladies. They were the meanest. Yeah. Mean old ladies. And they would say, I need to know who died. And oh, yell at me. Yeah, over the weekend. And yeah. talk shit and gossip. Right. Right. So this guy calls me and he was being kind of a jerk, didn't get his paper, whatever. 
I was able to, you know, make them feel better. Hey, we'll make sure they get you a copy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We'll credit your account, whatever. After I made him happy and he was hanging up the phone, he was like, we'll love you. Bye. And I was like, you too, sir. And then he's like, oh, 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 I didn't mean that. It was just really funny. Have you ever done that on a call? Yeah. It kind of cracked me up because it was really like the first time I'd ever had someone do that. Well, you say it like... type of customer service type of job or something. Yeah, it's like even... uh, You don't even know this part. It can happen. You don't even know the part. It's like a habit or like maybe you were thinking or maybe you were recently talking to your woman or man, you know, previously to that. And you just... You throw it out there and you're just like... Or you ever thank someone who is thanking you because you're the one that did the damn thing? Yeah. They'll be like, thank, well, thank you. And you'll be like, yeah, thanks. And you're like, why the fuck did I thank them? I'm the one getting thanked. I should have been like, you're welcome. And you're thinking <laughs> that shit as you walk away. You totally fucked it up. But bye, guys. You're awesome. And tune back in for the next one. And Dylan loves you. <laughs>